let's talk about the BC Green Party here and a little bit of a family feud going on here with the BC Green Party. I got uh, BC Green Party leader Andrew Weaver coming up a little later in this half hour. But first, let me speak to BC Green Party MLA Sonia Firstenau. She represents Cowichan Valley in the BC legislature. She is running for leadership of the Green Party. Hi, Sonia. Good morning, Mike. And just to... Just to set the record straight, Andrew's not the leader of the BC Green Party. He's actually sitting as an independent now. Yeah, what, did I call him the leader or did I call him the former leader? You called him the leader. Okay, see, I need another cup of coffee. <laughs> there you this, go. <laughs> this is the problem. No, he is the former leader. That's right. He's the former leader. You are running to be the permanent leader. All right, let's talk about uh, what happened here on Twitter. Uh, you came up with this uh, idea to talk. Maybe we should talk about a four-day work week. In British in British Columbia, right? This was after the New Zealand yeah. Prime Minister Jacinda, Jacinda Ardern uh, said this might be a good idea. Why do you think a four day work week is something we should talk about here? Well, actually, Mike, the the context of that is is in late February. I put out the first platform plank for the leadership run, and it was a strategy for a resilient economy. And I think. You know, today we're obviously talking a great deal about how we need a more resilient economy and a more resilient province in a lot of ways. But it was something I was thinking about uh, as as a leadership plank for the uh, BC Greens. And one of the things that was included in that platform was, uh, and I'll read it just so it's really accurate, in consultation with business, labor and other stakeholders, explore policies to improve work-life balance and health and well-being for workers, such as a shorter work week for full-time workers and modernized labor laws for independent contract workers. And all of this is predicated on recognizing that um, there is a lot of uh, great examples out there of governments that are moving towards a health and well-being approach to budgets, to policymaking. New Zealand is a great example of this. and uh, I think that that's a direction we should be going in BC. And if we're going to start talking about health and well-being, let's talk about health and well-being of workers. Okay. And after you raised this idea, that's when Andrew Weaver took a bit of a, sh- a run at you on Twitter. And I'm looking at his, his tweet here, and he, he writes, Andrew Weaver writes, This is an absolutely kooky idea. We are not New Zealand. You clearly have not thought this through. It's far more complicated than just a few sound bites in a tweet. Perhaps you should do some background research before shooting from the hip. This is classic decision making and evidence decision based evidence making. <laughs> wow. Okay. He he really went after you there. What what do you think of that? What was your reaction to that? I mean, the, the interesting thing is, uh, I've I am a, a a trained historian, so background research is my thing, um, and I can send you a picture later of all the background research that's in front of me when I've been talking about this last week, there's an, a, a really interesting amount of research on this. First of all, the history of the five-day work week is only about 100 years old and is, is not a natural thing. It, it, it emerged partly in the, because of the efforts of labor unions and, and uh, to, to bring workers' rights forward. And interestingly, my son is doing his grade 10 socials project on, on the history of workers' rights in Canada. So around the world, um, there's a lot of examples of companies that have looked at, can yeah. we have a shorter work week and have more productivity? So Microsoft Japan, for example, tried a four-day work week last year. Productivity rose 40%. 
Jason Fried, CEO of Basecamp, had his employees work for four days, 32-hour weeks for half a year and saw uh, not only a boost in productivity, but much happier workers. So if, if I were a business person and saying, if what I want is productivity, uh, do I adhere to a model that's been around for 100 years or do I look at the landscape yeah. and, and, and look for ways to achieve that? There's been a lot of reports. The Society for Human Resource Management found that there's no decreases to productivity or revenue. And in fact, you, yesterday what did, morning... What did, you think, well, what did you think about Andrew Weaver, though, going after you and saying you're peddling kooky ideas? Yeah, I think he, he should have listened to uh, the Sunday edition yesterday morning when uh, Michael Enright yeah. was interviewing Jim Stanford, who's just entered the uh, started the Centre for future work in Vancouver, where he, in fact, was asked by Michael Enright about the four-day work week and said that there's potential benefits in short term, in terms of uh, looking at job sharing, but in long term, uh, four-day work week is is a way to to look forward. So, uh, you know, he's a world-renowned economist. Right. Andrew Weaver went further here on Twitter going after you here, Sonia. He said that, he said, my former colleague, Sonia Firstenau and Adam Olson, the other green MLA in the legislature, were afraid to stand up to the NDP and their LNG development. He writes here, I, I was ready to go to an election, but they were more interested in re-election than they were to standing up for Green Party principles. My goodness. What, what, what do you say to that? Yeah, I, I, I really don't have any understanding of where that's coming from because Adam Olson and I, in fact, alongside Andrew, stood up literally in the House 14 times to vote against the LNG tax giveaway vote, uh, the bill that was presented in the legislature last year, last spring. Uh, so we very much stood up against that. Uh, unfortunately, the other 84 MLAs, uh, the entire NDP caucus and the entire Liberal caucus, uh, we're quite happy to support that tax-funded, uh, taxpayer-funded giveaway. So uh, no idea what he's talking about, but what's, I think what Aunt Adam and I can point to is our record of achievements on a number of files, professional reliance reform, yeah. for example. Was he ready to go to an election? Like he says he wanted to go to an election or he was ready to go for an election and you guys were afraid to go for bring down the government. Is that true? Yeah, I honestly have no idea what he's talking about there. We were very united in our opposition to the LNG bill. And, uh, you know, Andrew's going to have to answer for that, but that's not okay. uh, anything that uh, I, I have no idea what he's talking about. All right. I do uh, know well, that, yeah. you know, for, for Adam and me, working on things like uh, Adam's work on UNDRIP, my work on raising the profile around the issues of Indigenous child uh, apprehension in this province, bringing right. in into birth alerts, we have stood up for our constituents and this province on a number of files and, and okay. achieved outcomes that, that we're really proud of. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Great to chat yeah. with you. All right, welcome back. Well, you heard my interview there with Green Party MLA Sonia Firstenau about her idea for a four-day work week in British Columbia. Let's check in now with the former Green Party leader, Andrew Weaver. He is now an independent in the legislature. Get his take on it. Andrew, thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, this is quite a little family feud going on here between you guys here on Twitter. What's going on here between you and Firstenau? Why were you, why did you think her four-day work week idea was kooky? Well, it's, I mean, first off, uh, we are living in the province of British Columbia, which is a province in a country. We're not a jurisdiction like New Zealand. We're not a jurisdiction like, uh, you know, a Northern European name. We're a subset of a jurisdiction. 
Uh, Secondly, you can do it now anyway. Uh, We know, for example, that uh, nurses uh, and many in the healthcare profession do two days on, two days off, often two evenings, two two days. We know that the Gulf Island School District has a four-day teach week. We know that the existing law doesn't preclude people doing it, including there are some companies that are. What we don't need is Big Brother, that is government, coming in and decreeing that uh, every thou shalt uh, do this. Now, the question I have is, what do you mean by a four-day work week as well? Does it mean now that instead of uh, going to the employment uh, uh, standards, that if you're an employer has you working more than 32 hours a week, you're paying overtime? Is that is that what it means? Right. Uh, and the whole notion of a work-life balance is, is critically important. But more and more employers, particularly modern employers, particularly those that are trying to attract uh, millennials, uh, understand this. Uh, and, and I would suggest that uh, you know, Ms. Thurston might want to go and meet their tour places like Hootsuite in Vancouver and other tech areas where you're, you're seeing this occurring because companies adapt to their workforce. You don't need government to step in. And, and frankly, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate that this uh, kind of notion is being put out, um, particularly when the BC Greens are going through a leadership context that's sort of on, on hold because it's, it's putting forward ideas that I'm not so sure the membership is behind. I'm not so sure that uh, um, uh, other leadership candidates uh, who want to emerge have the same potential to explore these ideas. And it's just, it's, it's, it's very populist. And frankly, it hasn't been thought through. And, and I, I think it's, it's not the, the type of thing that, uh, you know, we'd expect from our elected leaders is to, to bring in place, uh, you know, musings like this that have not been, that don't reflect the reality of the business community here in British Columbia. Do you, do you think that uh, putting forward an idea like that, Sonia know I think is very likely to become the leader of this, this party here. Uh, do you think when she puts out an idea like a four-day work week that it, it damages the image of the Green Party. It makes you makes you guys look like maybe like a fringe a fringe party when you come up with ideas Absolutely. that are kind of fringe Absolutely. ideas. Absolutely, yeah. that is my that that is my concern. Is that uh, while I'm sitting as independent, obviously I I I, I, I did uh, stand and, and put a lot of my time in terms of building a, a, a party uh, from the from the bottom up. Uh, to a situation that was grounded in evidence-based decision-making, and we, we have uh, pronouncements like this, which are clearly not. Um, the, the examples used by Ms. Fresno on the radio just a few minutes ago were Microsoft, for example. Well, it's fine. It's a company. There's lots of companies doing this, yeah. and there's nothing in our existing laws to preclude them from doing it because it's, uh, you know, and, and so I tend to be on the same side here as Harry Baines, who also addressed this, saying this is... This is uh, not New Zealand, and, and what what right. BC going to do now? Decree that Canada Post workers will only deliver your mail four days a week? Is that what's? Being, I mean, it's, it's just you don't have jurisdiction there. So it, okay. it's, it's kind of a an odd out public musing of a policy uh, whose principles, you know, the principal notion of life balance is important. It's critically important. I agree with that, but you know, that's the issue. You prescribed a solution without actually, you know, exploring the issue further. And that, okay. that, that is the, what I, uh, I find troubling. I'm speaking to former Green Party leader Andrew Weaver. Also on Twitter, you criticized Sonia Furstenau and also Adam Olson, your former Green Party colleagues. You said they were afraid to stand up to the NDP and LNG development. I was ready to go for an election, but in my opinion, they were they were not interested in that. Can you expand on that, please? Where, what do you yeah, mean you were ready yeah, to go for an election? Well, the context of that comment was with respect to somebody who said, oh, in essence, that you shouldn't criticize uh, the policy that was being because we need the Greens 
to stand up to the NDP on LNG. And, and the point I was trying to make here in, that, in, in a response to that comment was that um, in January of 2018, when uh, Premier got on a plane to go to uh, Asia to start stumping for LNG, I, uh, I, I was very troubled by this because we had in our confidence in supply agreement uh, the wording that says that uh, the government will develop a plan to meet our legislative greenhouse gas targets. Now, we didn't have any legislative greenhouse gas targets, and clearly there was no plan except, and, and to say we're going to start by adding uh, the the uh, six megatons or however many they'll, we will agree on some number with an LNG facility is hardly the first step of a plan development. So, uh, I, you know, I had to go into negotiations with the NDP here because it was quite tense. Now, but as you know, in negotiations, um, you you have to use put on the table all the cards you have, and uh, the card we have is we were holding up a minority government. Uh, I went into negotiations with this. We were able to get a lot done, and in the end, it all worked out. But I went into negotiations with the stick. The stick is that you know this is in our confidence supply agreement. Um, in essence, uh, you know we need to have clean BC, which we ended up getting. We need to have these legislated, and failing that, um, you know I don't see how we can continue to support the government. The problem I had is negotiating abilities were undermined because I knew uh, I, I didn't actually have a stick. I had a feather because I knew that, um, you know, you have to be willing to, to actually do what you want to do, uh, what you say you're going to do. I so, you're, so, you're to saying, you're, so you're saying, Andrew Weaver, that you were willing to bring down this government, this NDP government over this LNG development, and your two Green Party colleagues, Adam Olson and Sonia Firstenau, were not willing to do that? At the time, that's correct. Um, I was uh, I was willing to uh, because to me uh, again coming back to this as the leader of the BC Green Party you know climate change is front and center in ours we did get I mean I was very serious about this we did get the Clean BC though in the end it all worked out it it, it worked out and I'm very proud of Clean BC it was an awful lot of effort there but uh, the effort I would say was increased because I knew in the back of my mind that the stick that I had in, in terms of negotiations really yeah. wasn't a stick. It was a feather. And uh, that, that kind of made it more difficult. And um, okay. it was made it, you know, <laughs> more, more difficult in the negotiations. Again, coming back to that, I'm very proud of what we accomplished with uh, in negotiations with George Hame, including BC. And, and I think we've, uh, when you look at the, the um, uh, interactions I've had with government, we've come to a very good place. But it, okay. you have to... You know, it's a, in negotiations, you have to start in one place and move to another. And it doesn't help when you're right at the beginning knowing that you're kind of hampering your, in your ability to, uh, to, to, to move negotiations. Thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on. we got to end it there, but I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk about the troubles on the BC campsite reservation system. Now, 7 a.m., that's when the site went live this morning. Lots of people want to get out of their homes, people getting cabin fever. Yeah, they want to get outside. They want to go camping. So a lot of people were sitting in front of their computers this morning, credit cards in their hand. 7 a.m., ready to book that campsite, and a lot of people were disappointed. Now, I have uh, received some messages from people that said they were able to get through and book a campsite. They appear to be in the minority. A lot of people complaining to me here. I got tons of emails and tweets and messages here. Uh, Bernie says to me on Twitter, I was on for three hours this morning, and I gave up. I need to keep my day job. I didn't have time to keep struggling with it. Uh, Sharon says to me on Twitter, BC camping fail. I got to the reservation midway through the process and it crashed. I got nothing. Let's check in now with George Heyman, BC's environment minister. Minister, thank you for coming on. Good morning, Mike. What's going on with the site? 
Well, first of all, Mike, I, uh, I know that for many uh, British Columbians who've been eager to book a campsite, uh, they've had frustrations this morning, and I apologize for that. We're working hard uh, to uh, ensure that people get to reserve the campsites they want. Now, give it a bit of perspective. We had at opening uh, at 7 a.m. 50,000 people online at once trying to simultaneously access the system, and that put a lot of strain on the system. Having said that, um, we've been processing 10 reservations every second. Over 27,000 reservations have been made uh, between 7 a.m. and 11, and that's double Parks Canada's biggest day. That's small consolation to people who've been frustrated and, and, uh, and had their system shut down from being online, but we will be able to process people's requests. I'm asking people to keep trying and have some patience. And in anticipation of the high demand, uh, we moved from a four-month rolling window to a two-month rolling window. That means tomorrow there'll be another day's worth of uh, campsites available and the same the day after that. And uh, to give you a perspective, uh, the previous uh, opening of our reservation system uh, before we shut it down had bookings up to July 20th. So today's uh, only released five additional days to days that had been available for some time before. Uh, this is going to work itself out, but it's a signal that British Columbians appreciate the fact that we're restricting reservations to British Columbia residents only going forward. Okay, it's interesting that you went to a two-month rolling window for campsite reservations because I've received lots of suggestions, including from the BC Liberals this morning, are just piling on against you here today, saying that this is this has been mismanaged by the government. That maybe you guys should have done a much shorter window for reservations, maybe for one or two weeks at a time, in order to prevent the system from getting overwhelmed. How would you respond to that? Well, my, my response to that is we, we cut the window in half. I, I think yeah. for some people who want to plan further in advance, uh, that doesn't make them happy. It, it, we're trying to find the right balance to ensure we keep making uh, uh, campsites available. Uh, we're doing the best we can. I think uh, most British Columbians will be able to get to parks. 45% of our campsites are still first come, first serve. So reservation isn't the only opportunity, although it is the best opportunity for highly popular parks. Okay, the Liberals this morning, I spoke to Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson about this on the show, and he suggested, why didn't the government do it on a a regional basis? Like maybe on day one, you could open up campsites on Vancouver Island, then in day two, you could do the lower mainland, and then in day three, you could do the north or the interior, just to kind of spread things out and and avoid the system getting getting crushed like that. What do you think? I think if we'd done that, uh, Mike, frankly, we would have caused a lot of confusion. People would have gone on, found their region wasn't available. Uh, uh, You know, it's easy to think of ways you could change the system. That's not a guarantee that it would have worked better. Uh, We're trying to get people who want to go to BC Parks to BC Parks. And as I said, uh, 27,000 reservations in four hours, double uh, Parks Canada's biggest day ever. A lot of people are getting what they want and more will. Okay, do you think it was wise to shut down camping at all in the first place? Like, I, I sometimes, there was criticism at the very start when the provincial parks were, were shut down that maybe that was an overreaction. Do you think that it was wise to shut the parks and the camping down in the first place? Absolutely, uh, Mike, absolutely. It was completely in line with the public health advice we were getting uh, that people should uh, uh, minimize uh, opportunities to be close to other people. We we didn't have the staff capacity to put in place the extra sanitation measures we've been working on for the last five weeks. You remember, Mike, at that point, the curve was still uh, going up. 
Uh, it wasn't flat. Uh, we were waiting for uh, for things to settle out and uh, the ability to follow the advice of the provincial health officer. But uh, we put public safety first, and uh, I don't regret that for a minute. Okay, what's the status of the site right now? Because I'm hearing a lot of stories from people who said they, they think they reserved a site. It looked like the reservation went through, and then when they paid to, tried to pay with their credit card, it, it kicked them out of the system. I mean, do you know how the how is the system operating right now, to your knowledge? It's uh, as I understand it, it is uh, it is uh, easing up. More people are able to make uh, bookings. It's still not a hundred percent optimal as we'd like it to be, but uh, um, uh, things are looking up for people going online now. As I said, when you have fifty thousand people on on all online at the same time, seven a.m., uh, I think we've all tried to uh, go to Ticketmaster and seeing what happens when. Tickets are released at a particular minute at a particular time. It's uh, it's regrettable, but um, we're doing the best we can with technology. Okay, you mentioned earlier that the the campsite reservations were restricted this uh, at this time for BC residents only, which I think was a smart thing to do. Uh, have you had any trouble though with people from outside of the province trying to book on the site? Well, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we would have had to completely change the software system to. Uh, screen people out by their IP address or their their credit card uh, uh, address location, uh, although we certainly looked at that. So what we've done is we've put a, a clear message. Uh, it's restricted to BC residents only. Uh, if you uh, reserve, you are subject to being evicted from a park or denied entry, having your reservation cancelled with no compensation. That, I think, is a big disincentive. Uh, and we will have and do have people at parks who, if they find people who uh, who booked um, against the rules, uh, they'll be asked to leave. Thanks for coming on. Okay, thanks, Mike.